Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. It's that time of year again. Millions of packages will be delivered this holiday season. One of the busiest companies getting packages from here to there is UPS. And we are joined today by David Inman, an airline meteorologist with the company. So just how does weather play a role in meeting the delivery deadline? How are logistics changed as a result of the forecast? And how about this time of year? Does the pressure ramp up, especially if the surface pressure dives down? All of this and more on today's episode of Weather Geeks. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. And David, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really interesting because I think people are very familiar with UPS and your trucks and your delivery and your services globally, but I don't suspect that they have an idea just how much meteorology and the weather play in your operations and the fact that there is even a meteorology department at UPS. Before we kind of go into that, tell us about UPS. How big is the company and what's, what's the goal of your company? What are you trying to do? Well, uh, obviously, uh, we're a very large company, and uh, our goal is to try to get the packages uh, to the uh, customers uh, in a timely fashion. Um, weather plays the role. You know, we don't uh, want our packages uh, to the end customer to arrive late, so um, we have to work around the weather, and that's where our meteorology department uh, comes into play. Uh, we're really trying to help the airline and the uh, ground network uh, deliver the packages uh, on time, uh, despite the weather, um, whether it's uh, snow, rain, thunderstorms, uh, even hurricanes, uh, et cetera. Yeah, and are you based, I know that, you know, we're here in the Weather Channel, we're here in the Atlanta area. Is the corporate headquarters for UPS based in Atlanta, but are you based somewhere else? We were actually based in Louisville, Kentucky, um, uh, where our uh, airlines is uh, located. And uh, most of the forecasting that we do is uh, aviation forecasting for UPS airlines. Um, but we do get involved uh, with the uh, ground part of the uh, company as well. I wanted to just because Weather Geeks listeners, we have all types of listeners. Some are Weather Geeks, some are just kind of casually interested. I was interested in just some facts about UPS because I think it's one of those iconic companies here in the U.S. I mean, how many brown trucks do you have? How many airplanes do you have? Um, you know, I am not really sure how many trucks we would have. Um I can uh, pull that number up for you. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things because I think people are so used to seeing the trucks right around. Um, but but while you're doing that, though, uh, do you have a sense for how UPS got into the world of meteorology? Because I, I have a feeling that there are other companies or even other aviation uh, companies that don't necessarily have their own meteorologists. Why did UPS make the decision to just have its own meteorology group? Well, uh, it was born out of a uh, snowstorm that we had here locally in Louisville uh, after the airline had been established in the late 80s. 
1994, we had a snowstorm that dropped um, almost a foot and a half of snow uh, in late January 94. And it was a situation where um, you had a couple jet and um, the models, especially back then, didn't quite pick up on it. And we actually had a local um, weather instructor for our pilots who uh, picked up on the coupled jet and uh, some other uh, dynamic factors and <clears throat> kind of uh, raised the flag to uh, upper management and let them know that uh, we were going to get a lot of snow and it was going to be very impactful to our operations. Uh, the snow happened. Uh, it was indeed Im impactful to our operations. Uh, we had to uh, shut down, I believe, for a couple of days. And um, so corporately, we decided, hey, we need a meteorology department. So when these uh, bad storms hit, not only in Louisville, but around the globe, um, that we're better prepared uh, to work around the uh, weather. So we're talking with David Inman, um, UPS Airlines meteorologist. He's 22 years with UPS, seven years in meteorology. I, I see that you're a 2004 graduate of the OU, the o o University of Oklahoma School of Meteorology, which is one of the best in the country, and a 20-year storm chaser. Tell us about your time at OU and your storm chasing. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, boomer sooner. I um yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm a Florida State Seminole and a Georgia Bulldog, so you know, I'm sure you still remember that game from last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't have very fond memories of that one <laughs> in the second half. But, uh, yeah, we're, um, you know, the OU School of Meteorology is um, just, you know, top-notch. Um, you know, I'd put it against any in the country. Um, but uh, one of the things being out in central Oklahoma uh, gave me the opportunity to storm chase, and I didn't move to Louisville until 2012, so um, it, it was just very convenient and very conducive to storm chasing. I, I chased my first storm in 1998, and been doing it pretty much every spring and summer since. Um, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started... Um, in 98, with no cameras, uh, no uh, computer, nothing, just uh, driving around chasing based on a forecast. And then, you know, slowly over time, as technology evolved, you know, um, kind of evolved with it. <laughs> but, no, uh, in terms I, of, I, I think I I've noticed... seen, uh, you know, maybe somewhere around 50 tornadoes. Wow. So, yeah, you, you know what you're doing and you're a degreed meteorologist. Uh, I noticed 22 years at UPS, but only seven years in meteorology. So what, 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 have, what were you doing the other 15 years at UPS? Um, I worked on the uh, ground side, um, actually started working at UPS uh, when I went to school. Um, never thought I would end up here. I just did it for uh, money uh, for college and uh, then actually ended up in the industrial engineering department. Um, upon graduation and um, intro uh, meteorology jobs being uh, what they are as far as uh, pay. I was getting paid a little bit better at UPS and um, uh, my Wait, wife was pregnant. I want to I wanna so, stop, I wanna uh, stop you right there. I wanna, to stay where I was for a little while. I want to stop. I want to kind of stop you right there because you mentioned intro 
uh, salaries for meteorologists. And I always like to use this opportunity to, I mean, are you talking about uh, for TV jobs or just in general? Because I think, you know, some of the uh, parts of our field can have fairly modest introductory salaries before you kind of get into the more senior level activities. Uh, is, is, Is that your experience as well? It is uh, just from the job searches that I did, and uh, granted, that was 14 years ago, um, so I don't really know what the salaries uh, intro level look like these days, but, um, uh, and I wasn't uh, trying to get into TV uh, per se. I was looking more at operational forecasting, um, so I can't really even speak to the uh, TV jobs even back then, but uh, it it seems like most entry-level jobs uh, back in 2004 were maybe around 25 to uh, 30 grand, and I was uh, making more than that even as a part-time soup at uh, UPS back then. Right. Uh, Tell us about the meteorology department there at UPS. How many meteorologists work there, and is there any meteorological or logistics reason that the airline operations are based in Louisville? Well, our um, airline Headquarters is, uh, or our Global Operations Center is here in Louisville. Uh, This is where our main airport hub is. Uh, We um, send in and out uh, around 100 flights uh, every night uh, here in Louisville, and that's just on our uh, night sort. Um, And uh, the the reason that they decided to put it here, uh, we're about a two-hour flight from uh, oh, uh, right around 50% of the U.S. Uh, population. So it's real easy from an aviation standpoint to get in and out of Louisville. Uh, I know they did some uh, climate studies uh, before they uh, decided to um, pick Louisville, and we get uh, fewer thunderstorms than places farther south. Uh, we get less snow than places like Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Um, so from a uh, flight standpoint with, again, two hours flight times within 50% of the U.S. population and then coupled with uh, just some climate statistics they put together, um, yeah, they chose Louisville uh, for um, Airline uh, Operations Center. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that about the climatological study that the company did because I, I wondered about that if it, it because I know then we're going to get into this a little bit later in the podcast. There are so many different weather related hazards that impact aviation. Now, now, how many how many meteorologists do you have there at UPS? We have uh, currently uh, six. Uh, the department started in '94 with uh, three meteorologists. And all three meteorologists are currently still here. Uh, We do have one um, meteorologist set to retire next year. And uh, we do have, uh, we have brought in a trainee uh, from inside the company who is also a degreed meteorologist. And uh, we are in the process of training him. So currently we have six meteorologists, uh, but we usually run a staff of five and uh, we, um, work around the clock uh, with that staff of five and rotate shifts and um, the whole uh, nine yards. I want to now pivot the discussion to the forecast aspects of what you do. This is Weather Geeks, after all, and this is uh, Dr. Marshall Shepard talking with David Inman of UPS. What weather, based on your experience, which type of weather affects UPS logistics the most and why? Um, as far as uh, UPS logistics, um, 
your your big events are going to affect UPS uh, quite a bit. You know, your uh, hurricanes, your nor'easters, um, big snowstorms, things like that. But uh, specifically to our airline operations, um, one of the biggest uh, things that can affect us, oddly enough, is just uh, winds. A um, mm. direct west wind here in Louisville um, that would give us a 30-knot crosswind or higher uh, can impact our uh, operations significantly in the sense that um, we have two parallel runways here in uh, town, and if we have a, a direct, and both of them are basically north-south runways, and if we have a direct uh, west wind strong enough, uh, we have to go to a single runway, and that just uh, really slows us down coming in and wow. out. Yeah, so that that certainly I could see how that would be uh, an impact there for your local operations and with your planes coming. And I, I've driven along I-65, I believe it is there, and I've driven right by the airport there and see all the UPS planes. So I'm very familiar with the layout of those runways. But you also, because UPS is a global company, your planes are flying literally all over the world, I would imagine. So are you in the weather center there, the operations center? Are you monitoring or forecasting for places around the world where your planes are, are, are landing and taking off or you're dealing with monitoring turbulence in flight? Uh, we are. We're really looking at all aspects of the weather that would affect us um, globally. Uh, we have uh, hubs in uh, Germany, in uh, China, um, Anchorage, um, uh, yeah, all around the globe, not just domestically here in the U.S. Um, and really, that's why we're here is uh, basically to help the operations um, globally uh, stay ahead of the weather, um, right. to give them advance warning when we see potential problems anywhere, uh, whether it's in Louisville, whether it's in uh, Cologne, Germany, um, um, Hong Kong. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if, if we see a potential problem, that would delay a flight or affect us uh, getting in and out uh, somewhere, then uh, uh, we want to give uh, our operations management uh, plenty of notice uh, so we can make contingency plans. I want to I want to kind of you know go deep into your command center operations center. Just give us a glimpse. Give the Weather Geeks listeners a glimpse at what a typical day is like or night because I know you have a lot of nighttime operations. I mean, how many meteorologists are typically in the center, the command center at one time and 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 what's going on? What are you looking at first when you come in? Are you pulling up sort of the satellite? Are you looking at the models first? Uh, give give us a glimpse at your day. Um, well, typically, so if I come in uh, for work, I'm going to get a turnover briefing from the uh, meteorologist um, that's um, getting off shift, and he's going to let me know or um, what uh, our current weather situation is, and then he'll run me through uh, the model forecast and anything that might come up uh, basically within the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. Um, and it, it's really, uh, time specific for, uh, not, it, well, it's shift specific, uh, because we do different, we're looking at different things on different shifts. Um, so for example, our, uh, night shift and our uh, second evening shift is actually, uh, looking at fog. Uh, most commercial airlines are taking off at peak fog time, which is right around sunrise. 
and we are actually landing most of our fleet uh, around the world, not only domestically here in the U.S., but around the world at peak fog times, which is uh, right around sunrise. Uh, so we are putting together a nightly fog forecast um, that uh, we do um, here uh, domestically, but we're also looking internationally. But as far as domestic uh, operations are concerned, we're looking at about 95 airports in the U.S., uh, Canada, and Mexico. And uh, we're looking for any potential impacts uh to that. So that's something specific that we do here at UPS uh, that most, e even other airlines, um, aren't even involved in. Um, we actually, uh, you can even Google a UPS fog uh, technique, UPS fog paper. Um, our original meteorologist wrote a paper, I think around 15, 16 years ago. Uh, we've employed the, the techniques that they had to teach themselves upon uh, starting the department. Um, to become good at forecasting the fog. And um, that, that's one of the things I get asked quite a bit, why would UPS need a uh, meteorology department? And uh, th that's one of the things like fog forecasting, frost forecasting for our de-ice department, um, things like that that you can't just turn on the TV or even really get uh, reliable information from even a phone app or something. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm glad you really uh, spent some time talking about fog. I mean, uh, uh, even as we teach meteorology at the University of Georgia, one of my colleagues, Dr. John Knox, is a, an aviation uh, expert, meteorology expert as well. And I've heard him talk about the fact that a lot of times people think uh, aviation is impacted by thunderstorms, and they are. But uh, sometimes it, in terms of airports, fog can be a significant uh, problem in terms of delays. It, it can and uh, we also have different categories of uh, aircraft and crews. And um, at one airport, you might be able to land uh, with basically almost zero visibility, whereas another airport, you might need a mile of visibility and a ceiling of four or 500 feet for a decision height. Uh, so we have to not only know the weather, but we have to know our um, operation and um, uh, you know, what's going where and uh, things like that. Um, and then not only that, uh, like uh, I walked in this morning, we had fog in Anchorage, uh, which is one of our hubs. Uh, most of our airplanes that go to Asia go through uh, Anchorage. And um, it's not just forecasting the weather, but uh, with our operations, it's the timing uh, and how does um, the weather impact us. When when is the fog going to form? When is it going to lift? Uh, same thing with thunderstorms, um, winter weather, tropical weather. Um, it, it really boils down to timing with us. Um, so, so no, that no, that's that's really good insight for the Weather Geeks listeners. And uh, this is Dr. Marshall Shepard uh, talking to uh, David Inman of UPS. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
And we're back on the Weather Geeks podcast. And I want to stay with the forecasting discussion for a second uh, in terms of UPS activities. When you're forecasting, are you forecasting just for air travel or uh, or is this information communicated somehow to drivers, to managers? I mean, just to tell us about how the information flow happens from the meteorologist to whoever the user is on the end. Well, um, our first point of uh, communication is um, here in our Global Operations Center, we have uh, several different uh, departments uh, right outside our offices. And uh, we have basically a command center that we you know, call the bridge. And we go up and communicate to the managers of different departments um, what we think. Um, you know, we give them a daily brief, or actually we give them several briefings over the course of the day. But then as we see things come up, uh, as uh, model data changes, as storms form, et cetera, um, you know, we uh, go let them know as needed uh, when we see potential uh, problems and disruptions. And then um, here internally in our company, we have a website uh, that any UPSer can go to that'll um, cover um, things like our fog forecast, uh, any uh, uh, hub forecast that we put out, any alerts that we put out for uh, smaller airports, any of our weather charts that we produce internally. Um, and, and that's just the first um, thing that we push out to uh, people outside of our office. And then um, we also, we take phone calls from all around the world uh, from UPSers with just specific questions to their areas, things like um, uh, ramp employees uh, wanting to know how close lightning is, um, where thunderstorms are, because if there's a lightning within a certain radius, you know, they've got to get everybody off the ramps so uh, we can keep people safe in, in that respect. Or it may be wind questions or storm questions. Um, you name it, when the phone rings, we never know who's on the other end of the line, and we have to be have such an awareness of the global weather that we can be able to answer questions quickly uh, without having to spend 10 minutes uh, searching for the answer uh, when somebody calls. Now, speaking of of everything that you just talked about and the sort of value that you're providing, and I, I clearly see the see this as value added service to your company, and clearly your company recognizes that too. Um, do you remember a forecast where it literally saved the company money, and your superiors or your bosses or even your colleagues were cheering because of the fact that wow, that's why we do what we do, and that's why we have this meteorology department at UPS. Any anything come to mind over your career? Um, you know, it's really hard to uh, point to uh, maybe specific instances because we really are just doing that on a daily basis. Um, As I understand it, long before I arrived and before the department was even here, for example, uh, our frost uh, forecasting, uh, most people don't think about it, but um, they just think of snow or ice and things like that. But Something as simple as frost on the wing of an airplane, uh, you can't take off without de-icing. Right. Um, so here nightly in Louisville, if um, we're depart, we depart around 100 planes every night within a two, two and a half hour window. So if we end up um, getting surprised by frost, then all of a sudden we're going to take massive delays. Whereas if we know frost is going to form beforehand, 
uh, our de-ice department will pre-treat the fleet. And uh, one of the ways we save money, is, it, and it's quite expensive to do that, uh, one of the ways that we save the money before this department was formed, if uh, the temperature was just going to be below a certain uh, threshold, which I think they usually put at 42 degrees, they would just spray automatically. Um, not aware of any other conditions that would uh, be conducive to frost formation. Uh, so if it was cloudy, windy, very dry, et cetera, they would still spray the fleet. Uh, we add value and actually save quite a bit of money nowadays uh, because uh, we can let them know uh, when frost isn't going to form, even though the temperature may be low on certain nights because of clouds or winds or whatnot, and we can tell them not to spray. Or if I say frost is going to form, but it's not going to form until after 5 a.m., then they can let all the planes go before 5 a.m., but pre-treat uh, all the um, departures after 5 a.m. with de-ice fluid. So that, that's one way, especially in the winter, that we provide almost daily savings. But um, our fog forecasts uh, do the same things uh, because we're not only trying to um, make contingency plans to uh, split up flights and things like that to uh, save our packages and our service, but uh, we can, uh, if we dispatch planes to an area where there's gonna be a lot of fog and we can't get that plane in and then we have to have a bunch of diverts, well then that, that's gonna cost the uh, company a bunch of money too. So um, there's a lot of ways um, like that and even uh, we'll see it a lot in the springtime where we'll have a line of thunderstorms from you know, the uh, upper Mississippi Valley down to Texas. And uh, we help the dispatchers uh, basically find holes in those thunderstorm lines. And as even when those uh, thunderstorms get closer to Louisville, uh, we can uh, put certain practices into place to, uh, you know, either uh, hold the plane at the uh, origin or, um, you know, fuel up so we have extra hold time, uh, just things like that that we're constantly making contingency plans for. Um, it, not only to save uh, service on packages, but also to save the company money. Now, you, you were talking about frost and that, that people may not necessarily think about the ways that that impacts the operation. Something else that I've, I've noticed in recent years, I've seen articles, I've even written on this as well, about um, you know, planes having difficulty taking off uh, in heat, uh, particularly in some of the desert southwest areas. Is that a reality for you? I imagine it might be, given that you're, you're hauling freight and have some pretty large planes. It can be um, at a, a few locations out west, um, but the nature of our planes is the temperature has to be um, extremely high, really. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to say maybe over like 118, so somewhere around there. So uh, we usually don't see that a lot, and our, our aircraft uh, take off at most of those locations after peak heating time. So... Uh, we don't really run into that just a whole lot. It has happened a time or two, but uh, we, we really don't run into that problem. And, and this is just a question. This is a question that just comes to mind, although I'm a weather geek. I'm also an aviation. I don't like to fly, but I like planes. Um, what what types of planes do you primarily use at UPS? What what model? Uh, well, we have a few different kinds. Oh, you um, do? Okay. We've got a, a 747 fleet, a 757 fleet. 
Uh, we've got um, Airbus 300 fleet, uh, MD-11s, um, and 767s. So right now, uh, we have five different uh, types of planes. Uh, we've just ordered a uh, new batch of 747s from uh, Boeing, 28 of them, and uh, that's going to be new uh, 7478. Um, and I believe those, uh, we, we've already received some of them. Uh, we've got nine in so far, and those are, those are already uh, running flights, and they're in service. And uh, the next, um, I guess, uh, 19 of them are scheduled to be delivered um, over the next few years by 2022. Right. Yeah. And that's um, really interesting because I, I have, again, seen some of the fleet there as I'm driving by Louisville. Um, one, one last cl question before I sort of shift gears here. Uh, you're moving um, packages and, and freight around, not people. Does that change how you think about forecasting turbulence or is it is it essentially the same hazard, whether you're moving people or packages? It, it does to some degree uh, because we we will be able to fly through. um some turbulence. Um, now, I don't, I don't believe any airline tries to uh, fly through severe turbulence, but uh, we will actually fly through um, some light to uh, lightly moderate turbulence um, that uh, commercial airlines uh, wouldn't want to fly through. Yeah, and I, the I biggest difference, about... I mean, is you know, our packages uh, aren't going to complain about some light turbulence, and, and as long as that turbulence isn't strong enough to damage the packages. So, I mean, again, we're not, no one's trying to fly through a strong turbulence, I don't believe, except maybe a hurricane hunter. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Uh, and and as, as much of this as you are willing to share without giving away any company trade secrets, are there any in-house models or capabilities that UPS has in the weather department? Um, we're, we're basically using the same, um, well, the models and everything are, are the same. We just uh, package it to, to our uh, specific taste. So um, maybe uh, some of the online models that you might see, we, um, you know, we overlay different things maybe than what the weather service or other airlines uh, or, or even other companies may use. Uh, like we've got specific um, uh, models for our frost that we use, uh, specific uh, models that we've tailored for our fog uh, forecasting and and things like that. Um, but really, I mean, the mo I mean, we're using you know the NAM, the GFS, the Euro, uh, some of the uh, high res models, uh, just like anyone else. Uh, but I think it just really comes down to experience and uh, knowing our operations. Yeah. We're talking with David Inman from UPS, and he's a meteorologist with the company. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And we're back on the Weather Geeks podcast, and it is November, and it's mid-November, so we're squarely in the middle of uh, holiday season. And it's uh, even hard for me to say because I can't really, I believe we're already up upon it. Um, what is it like at UPS uh, during the holidays, and is there a worst-case weather scenario that you have to think about as a meteorologist at UPS this time of year? Uh, 
Um, at the you know during the holidays, I mean our our, our volume goes up a little bit. Um, we you know quite a bit actually, but um, as far as what we're doing operationally, I mean we're we're still just. Um, doing the same thing, really. I mean, uh, as far as forecasting the weather, uh, nothing really changes. Um, if we get a snowstorm, if we get a nor'easter uh, in December, um, it's going to disrupt our network the same as it would in January. I mean, uh, it's, um, you know, because people in January are just upset if they miss their packages uh, because of weather as they are in December. Um we do try to put certain contingency plans into place so uh, when we do get affected by the weather, uh, especially during peak season, that we can uh, catch up quickly um, just because of the nature of, um, you, you know, you, you have a tight deadline on all packages um, a lot of times, no matter what the time of year. But obviously, uh, people are going to get a little more upset if their Christmas package doesn't make it by the, uh, you know, by a certain time. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as uh, anything specific, as far as a um, weather system that might affect us, um, it just, it, it changes because so many aspects of the weather uh, can affect uh, flight plans and, um, um, y you know, uh, things like that. Um, but we're going to do everything possible to uh, work around it and get our uh, packages delivered on time. Well, do you do you get stuck in situations? I, I see this sometimes with commercial airlines where you have a big nor'easter or even a, down here in the south, actually a snowstorm and planes get grounded or just stuck in place and sort of kind of messes up the system, so to speak. You got planes in places that really you didn't want them to be or that didn't need them to be just for your own sort of logistical purposes. Do you do you deal with that headache? Um, not as much as a commercial airline would. Um, usually if the airport is open, then uh, we're going to be going in and out of it. And we see this not only with nor'easters and snowstorms and things of that nature, but uh, also with tropical weather, um, both domestically and abroad. Uh, we're usually ready to go as soon as the airport is open. And uh, a lot of times we're uh, some of the first people in. Um, the only thing that really slows us down is locally when airport authorities decide to close airports. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and we're also looking at safety too. So, I mean, if, um, you have a, um, let's say a, a hurricane or a big nor'easter or something like that, and, um, our people can't get to work and, you know, and even if the airport's uh, going to be, uh, open work. We're taking things like that into account, but um, usually if, um, um, yeah, I mean, we're usually uh, re ready to go as long as the airport's open. <laughs> and we're talking with David Inman, UPS Airlines meteorologist, about weather on the go, uh, how weather impacts the operations of UPS, one of the most iconic companies in the United States. Uh, as we're talking, David, the western part of the U.S. is experiencing epic and historic 
wildfires. And I was looking at the HRRR smoke model forecast, uh, the HER model for the Weather Geeks listeners. The HER model is one of these sort of high resolution, short range models that meteorologists use for things like severe storm forecasting and rainfall forecasting over in the next 24 hours. But there's a smoke version. And it, it comes to mind, are, are there any potential impacts of these wildfires and or the smoke uh, that cause problems for your operation? Uh, now, there are on the uh, ground network, uh, you know, as, as local authorities close um, roads and certain areas and things like that, that, that certainly disrupts our uh, ground delivery and pickup network. Uh, from an aviation standpoint, um, we are, our airports specifically haven't been affected yet. Um, hopefully they won't be. Um, we're certainly um, just aware and uh, empathetic and, and towards, you know, the people that have been affected. Uh, I've seen the news. I've seen, uh, you know, some of the video on the Weather Channel and, and online and stuff. And uh, it's just, um, I mean, it's heartbreaking, you know, as these things happen. Um, but from an airline operational standpoint, uh, luckily our airports have not been affected so far. Oh, well, that's that's good to hear. What about uh, major events like a Hurricane Michael or a Hurricane Florence? Uh, I mean, we've talked um, in the podcast already about you know, the fact that you certainly are considering these types of events, but are there anything sort of special that happens, any changes made operationally to the company or even sort of in a, a relief mode, if you will, uh, when you have these sort of, sort of episodic uh, events like a Hurricane Michael, for example? Well, um, so uh, the first thing that we're doing as aviation meteorologists, we're looking at how is this going to affect our airports. And uh, we know what where our airports are, so uh, we know um, um, what to look for as far as forecasting. So uh, with Florence, um, it, it was more towards the uh, coast, and we our, our closest airport was Raleigh in Norfolk. And we didn't see any effect, any effect to either airport. And we ran through both. Uh, I mean, we ran our operations at all of our gateways throughout the uh, event. Uh, where we do get involved is on the uh, ground side of our business with the uh, package car uh, centers and things like that. We were on uh, daily conference calls um, three, four times a day with the uh, local uh, folks there at uh, ground zero, just letting them know the, uh, you know, our weather forecast or what we thought the impacts were going to be so they can make their plans around it, uh, along with what they were getting from their local authorities as well. And uh, the first thing we'll, we'll do, though, is if we uh, see weather going to affect an airport, for example, is, is we'll get our aircraft out of the way. If we've got a uh, airplane scheduled to sit in Raleigh all day and we've got a hurricane moving through, then we'll go in, we'll drop our packages, and we'll get out so uh, we don't take any damage to our airplanes. Um, and, and with Michael, um, it was, uh, it was um, a little different because we had Albany, Georgia, which is in southwest Georgia, and uh, Pensacola is our closest two airports to that one. And Pensacola being on the back side of the storm, uh, we thought their winds would stay below um, our operating criteria, and they did. Um, but we were more concerned about Albany, Georgia, with the uh, track of Michael basically moving 
almost right over it. Um, so we made uh, some contingency plans and we got uh, our aircraft out of Albany, um, you know, and shut down that sort for the day and things like that. And then from the, you know, local ground network side of things, um, they were making their contingency plans to get their people out of the way and secure their uh, buildings and facilities and, uh, and, and cars and packages and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it gets really busy during a big system like that, um, coordinating not only with the airline, but with the ground network. And there's a lot of people involved and a lot of moving pieces, but, uh, it sounds like, um, um, as, as far as our company's concerned, it sounds like, uh, we made out okay as far as, uh, not having just a ton of damage. And, uh, again, I mean, same thing with the fires. I mean, we're just, uh, you know, uh, our hearts go out to all the people affected. Yeah, I I, I agree. I'm just those folks are in our thoughts. There, it's really tough out there. We're we're drawing to a close here with the Weather Geeks podcast, speaking with David Inman of UPS Airlines. Want to end with just a, a couple of questions, or perhaps one question actually for you, David. You're you're a career meteorologist, obviously a great career in aviation meteorology. Uh, is there anything for the young scholar out there, the young student, or just the weather enthusiast? Is there anything that you would recommend for someone that wants to do what you do? I mean, is is the core meteorology uh, training that you have enough, or are there specialized things that you've had to pick up along your way as an aviation meteorologist that you didn't get at OU or any major meteorology program? I come out of Florida State University, and I am the director of a program at UGA. Uh, yes, sir. I think, um, really, you know, I, I can't really speak, um, you know, for just, uh, nationwide, the programs as a whole, but, um, you know, you get a lot of theory and you get a lot of, uh, things like that in school. But, uh, I mean, the one thing that I would recommend is, uh, obviously just, uh, you know, network, network, network. But um, besides that, it's just practice your forecasting. Um, I know at uh, OU, uh, we had several forecasting contests that you could do. Uh, we had a centralized area that we called the map room where people could gather and um, uh, that we had our local um, school of meteorology forecast center that we did locally for the um, campus newspaper and website and things like that. But just, you know, Get involved with as uh, much forecasting as you can if, if you want to forecast operationally or, or even forecast for the weather service or something. Um, you know, go intern wherever you can. Uh, just really just try to get that experience, even if it's not quote unquote professional experience, but uh, just to try to um, forecast as much as you can um, and, and with meaning behind it. So whether you're doing it for your school newspaper or an intern for a company or a government agency or whatnot, uh, because there's a lot of difference I found from forecast, making a forecast on my own that didn't mean anything uh, versus trying to make a forecast for, um, you know, um, well, you know, whether it be your business or government or what, you know, for uh, something depends on it. Last question. I always like to ask this to meteorologists. What was the spark that got you interested in meteorology and how old were you? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it was born just 
sitting on the porch with my dad. We had a pretty good view of the north and west sky just watching storms roll in. Uh, I grew up in East Arkansas and uh, it was just farmland and we had a pretty good view of uh, the sky where we lived. But uh, there was a specific, uh, it was a series of three weather events. Um, I grew up just outside of West Memphis, Arkansas and in a three, four week period, we had a, um, I believe it was an F3 tornado hit uh, December of uh, 1987, and then we had a foot of rain on Christmas Eve that flooded quite a few areas, which was just a week or two after the tornado. And then at the very beginning of January, we had a foot of snow, which uh, for that part of the world was just unheard of. So, I mean, we had a major tornado, a major flood, and a major uh, blizzard snowstorm uh, within about a three, four week period. And that, I was just hooked after that. <laughs> Yeah, just a typical of most meteorologists I talk to. Uh, there is an experience somewhere in their life that really hooks them. So, David Inman, UPS Airline Meteorologist, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. And Weather Geeks listeners, thank you for geeking out with us as well. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.